TBN Pinellas Park. If it's been a while since you've worshipped at your local church, they invite you back. Attend services this weekend. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Our praying must never be limited to those things that concern us. We're to pray for the family of God. We're to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're we're not to be consumed just with, with our little world. In coming to God as our Father, we realize that we're part of a bigger family. And as such, we need to be praying for our brothers and sisters who who are in Christ, and they have needs too. That certainly is a vital aspect of prayer. As Christ followers, we are a family. In fact, Paul compares us to a human body. Each part needs the others, so it's natural for us to show concern in our prayers for those other members. And Pastor Steve will get to that in a few minutes. Let me bring you up to speed on where we are in our study of the Lord's Prayer. At the end of the last program, Pastor Steve had been talking about the privilege that we have of calling God our Father, and to do so in terms of endearment, such as Daddy or Papa. And so today we'll resume the lesson at that point. Today is the conclusion of Part 1 of Pastor Steve's study of the Lord's Prayer. Let me welcome you first to Verse by Verse, Our instructor is pastor-teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been exercising his gift of expository preaching at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida since 1981. We think the expository or verse-by-verse style of preaching is the best way to give a clear understanding of the whole scripture. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Matthew chapter 6 and get ready for the class to begin. Now, here's Pastor Steve. At the time of our salvation, unknown to us at that moment, the Holy Spirit comes to live with inside of every believer. And it is the Holy Spirit's responsibility to make us aware that God is our Father. And therefore, Paul is saying there's no longer any need to be fearful. So we cry out to him in a way that we previously have never spoken to him. We cry out, Abba. Father, we know, you know, even when I was first saved, I I had struggles with assurance of my salvation. But even going through all the struggles, I I really knew that God was my father. I knew that I had entered into a personal relationship with him. And I knew it because the word taught it and because the spirit of God affirmed that in my life. I now had somebody I could go to, my father. And so if God is your father, then how does that practically affect your prayer life? Every time you speak to God as your Abba Father, it is really just a fresh reminder that the one you are speaking to is loving and kind and cares about you and has your best interests at heart. He's your Father, and He can be trusted to provide everything you need because you know what? That's what a Father does. Now, I realize some, some have come from families in which you, you think back about your fathers, and your fathers were not particularly good people, and you couldn't trust your father. But you know what? You can trust this father. You can trust this father. As a perfect father, God takes it upon himself to care for your needs. And he loves you. And and you know what? Jesus, in this very context, goes on to speak about this. Notice chapter 6, verse 25. Jesus begins by saying, For this reason I say to you, 
Don't be worried about your life as to what you'll eat or what you'll drink or for your body as to what you'll put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than, than clothing. It goes on actually in verse 27. Look at this because this is very, very relevant. And who of you by being worried can add a single hour to his life? You ever worry about your health? You ever worry about how long you're going to live? Listen, all of us do at times. And this whole passage of scripture, which we will eventually get to, but this whole passage of scripture is telling us we don't have to worry. We don't have to worry. And why? Well, notice verse 32. Or verse 31 says, do not worry then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? I mean, he's saying, don't worry about things in life. Don't worry about how long you're going to live. Don't worry about if you go in, in this place and you get hurt here. And, and in our modern day, we say, don't worry about flying. Don't worry about terrorism. Don't worry about. He so goes on to say in verse 32, the Gentiles, they eagerly seek all these things. And I think the implied here is they worry about these things. And you know what? Well, they should. Because they don't have a heavenly father who cares for them. But Jesus said, you do. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Obey God and trust him to provide for you. And then he closes this section by saying, do not worry about tomorrow. What a great statement. Because folks, all of our worrying is about the future. It's always about tomorrow. What if this happens? What if I get sick? What if my child is in an accident? What if something happens to a grandchild? What if I don't have enough money to send them to college? What if I don't, all these things, what if I don't have enough insurance? It's always about tomorrow. Jesus said, this is a command. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will care for itself. Listen, when tomorrow comes, it'll have trouble. Every day has trouble. Each day, Jesus said, has enough trouble of its own. God gives grace for today. But the grace of God is only received when you understand that he's a father. He'll take care of you. So don't worry. In fact, he amplified this in the next chapter, chapter seven, starting at verse seven. He said, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find knock and it'll be open to you for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks, it will be open. And he's talking about prayer in case you're wondering, well, why, why do I keep doing this? Notice. Notice verse nine. What man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, meaning a loaf of bread, Will he give him a stone? Uh, meaning in, in Israel, some of the loaves of bread actually look like stone. What, what kind of a father would do that? He, a child says, I'd like some food. Here's a rock. Uh, what, what kind of a nut would do that? Verse 10, or if he asks for a fish, he'll give him a snake, will he? I mean, uh, because he's talking about like an eel looking snake. And he says a fish. Oh, you want a fish? Here's, here's an eel. Take it. Well, what kind of a father would do that? Jesus is saying. And then he sums it up. If you then being evil, and we are. And yet we know how to give good gifts to our children. How much more will your father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? I mean, if we have a heart of a father that wants the best for our children, why would we think God doesn't? God has a perfect heart. We're evil. And yet we understand about wanting the best for our, for our children. God is so much greater than that. So the concept of God as as father ought to cultivate in us, folks, intimacy, trust, closeness, warmth of fellowship towards him. However, watch this. Though we should be close with God and we, we should be as close as we can, we do need to be careful that we don't confuse spiritual intimacy for irreverence and a flippancy. Uh, a flippancy that treats God as just the man upstairs. 
the big guy. And so Jesus is careful in the Lord's Prayer to teach us a second key truth about the God we pray to, and it all balances out. In praying to God, not only do we speak to him as a father, but the God we speak to is also a sovereign father. Jesus said that when we pray to God, we are to pray not merely to God as father, but notice this. He says, when we pray, we are to pray to our father. And he adds, who is in heaven? Literally, it's in the heavens. Contrary to what you might think at first, that that he's talking about where God's abode is in heaven. That's not the stress here. He's not not so much talking about God's... um, Uh, where he abides in in heaven as much as he's talking about his sovereignty and his power, his exaltation in the heavens above all things. In other words, when Jesus speaks of our father being in heaven, he's talking about being the exalted one. It means that he has the ultimate power to do whatever he chooses because he is, in the words of Daniel, the prophet, the most high God. That's the thought here. I think the psalmist in Psalm 115 verse 3 captured the thought about God being the sovereign, exalted one, when he said this, our God is in the heavens, he does whatever he pleases. What a great statement. Our God is in the heavens, he does whatever he pleases. There's no one greater than him. Do whatever he wants. God's sovereignty, meaning he's all-powerful, nothing happens that hasn't been ordained by God. No accidents in the Christian life, all that. No accidents in life at all. God's sovereignty is such a critical truth to grasp in our lives. It'll have a profound impact upon the way you live, but it will also have a profound impact upon the way you pray. And it will, it will impact you specifically in two areas. The first way that, that an understanding of God being a sovereign father will impact your life is that it'll protect you from becoming so familiar with God as a loving father that you forget to show reverence to him, forget to show respect for him, Though he is a father, and we should approach him with intimacy. That's the point. We need to remember that he is a father who is on the throne. He is a father who is exalted, ruling over the universe. And therefore, we need to approach him with the spirit of devotion, humility, adoration. One Bible teacher had this to say about the problem today of letting intimacy with God cross over to disrespect. He wrote, today we have the problem of flippancy. Whether motivated by the desire to startle or amuse or just out of ignorance, some will refer to God as the man upstairs or worse, the big guy. They will say, hi, God, it's me, Bob. How you doing? Hey, I was just wondering and off they go. He writes, if the designation father invites intimacy with God, the addition of heavenly reminds us to avoid undue intimacy or flippancy, reminds us that God is in heaven and we are on earth. We need to always keep that in mind. Folks, there's a balance. There's a balance. He is our dear, caring Abba Father. We are to be intimate, but we are not to be irreverent in our intimacy. He's also the exalted sovereign Father. And that means that we approach him with warmth, but also with a deep sense of awe, respect, and a spirit of worship. How often have we heard people call God the man upstairs? You know, I always cringe when I hear that. He may be our loving Heavenly Father, but He's also the Almighty King and the Creator of the universe. He is holy beyond our comprehension and deserves all the respect we can give Him. But He's also our Daddy. What a wonderful mystery. Say, if you've just joined us, let me make some introductions. You're listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel. 
We are located in Clearwater, Florida. If you missed the start of the program and want to hear the beginning, or if you just want to hear it again, please visit our website. It's versebyverseradio.org. I'll give that information again at the end of the program, as well as a number you can call to order a CD or cassette of this entire message. Today's program is the third installment of Pastor Steve's first message on the Lord's Prayer. So let's get back to class now for some more ways that understanding God's sovereignty should impact our prayer lives. Here's Pastor Steve. Now, the second way that an understanding of God's sovereignty impacts our prayer life is that in recognizing that our Father is the sovereign one in heaven, we recognize that, you know what, He has all the power, all the power and resources to answer our prayers. In other words, there is no limit, no limit to God's ability to answer our prayers. There's nothing too difficult for Him. Listen, he made heaven and earth. He made the universe. You think he can't handle one of our problems? There's nothing too hard for him to accomplish. He has all the resources of heaven available at his disposal. Now, what that means to us practically is that you can come to God with great confidence that he he has the ability to answer every one of your prayers, and he will do it according to his will, regardless of how impossible your situation looks to you. You work with someone who's difficult. You have family members who are difficult. You have relatives, neighbors. Then you pray. God can change lives and change our life. Changes the lives of others. You, you have a problem with certain circumstances. He's in control over the course of human events. God is sovereign over people, nations, nature, all human events, everything else. So you pray with confidence. There, there is nothing that you have that God can't handle. You got a financial problem? God's not up in the heavens wondering where he's going to get the money from you you are concerned about your health you are fearfully and wonderfully made by god who sustains all of his creatures there's nothing too difficult for him our god really is awesome he really does reign over the affairs of men and imagine this god is your abba he loves you he's in control of nations the bible says he he changes the hearts of kings There's nothing out of his control. And so in praying, Jesus instructs us that we are to speak to him as a father, as a sovereign father. But there's a third key truth that Jesus taught about addressing God. When we speak to God, we are to speak to him also as a father to a family of children, a family of believers. It's wonderful to be able to pray to God as a father, but it's important to realize that he's not only your father or my father, but he's our father. In fact, that's what Jesus said. In the Lord's prayer, Jesus didn't tell us to to pray my father who's in heaven. He said we should pray our father. What that indicates is that our praying must never be limited to those things that concern us. We're to pray for the family of God. We're to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're we're not to be consumed just with with our little world. In coming to God as our Father, we realize that we're part of a bigger family. And as such, we need to be praying for our brothers and sisters who, who are in Christ. And they have needs too. Who should we pray for? We have a whole church of people to pray for. Why don't you take the church directory and go down each each name? Take a few names each day. There's a whole missionary. Uh, letters, whole group of missionary letters out there. Pick one up, take it, start a prayer list, start a prayer file. 
There are pastors in this church to pray for. There are elders and deacons and deaconesses and staff. There are many teachers at our school to pray for. There are students to pray for. I mean, there, there, are, there are mission organizations to pray for. We are to be praying for one another. See, an understanding that, that God is the father to a family of, of believing children, it just puts a lid on selfish praying. And all of us need to be reminded of that because it does remind us to pray for others in the family. And what do you pray for? What should you pray for? Well, let's look at Colossians chapter one, because the apostle Paul, who never ceased to pray for others, has a marvelous prayer for the Colossians. He tells them what he's praying for. And I think this is a good model for us. Now, it's not limited to this, but notice how Paul prayed for the Colossians. We're not just to pray, Lord, bless so-and-so and help them get out of the hospital and help them get over this and may they feel better. And that's usually what our prayers are like. Now, you certainly can pray for that, but it ought not to be just like that. Notice what Paul said in verse 9 of Colossians 1. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, meaning their salvation, we have not ceased to pray for you. Now, notice Paul said daily, this is what we're praying for. And, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. What that means is that we should be praying for other believers to be uh, filled with an understanding of the word of God. So what you do is you pray for people in this church to go to their Sunday school classes, to come in the evening service, that when they're in the morning service, that they're attentive, that they're taking notes, that they're not distracted, that they will learn that they will learn what they're being taught, that they will have daily quiet times, that they will have a hunger for the word of God, that they will be growing in the grace and, and in the knowledge of Christ. And when he says and that they may be pray, that they may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom, they know how to apply the word. Because it does us no good if we hear the Bible, but apply it to other people's lives. So we pray, Lord, help them to get it. Help me to get this. Help me to understand, but also help my brothers and sisters understand the truths here and apply it. He goes on to say, so that you'll walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So we pray for others to walk in obedience, not just to know the word, but to obey the word. And and you can get very personal, very individualized. Lord, I I, I see this person. I, I know, you know, help. Help this man to love his wife as Christ loves the church. Help his wife to respond as she should. Help them as parents to raise their children properly. We we pray for their obedience, that they walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. To please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work. We pray that there would be the fruits of righteousness coming through their lives, that, that where they work, there would be a good testimony, increasing in the knowledge of God, that they would have a hunger and a thirst to know him better. Strengthened with all power, he says in verse 11. How about we pray for one another to be strengthened because we're all weak and we have burdens and we go through problems and we ought to be praying that the Lord will strengthen each other according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness. That's another thing. We pray for perseverance, endurance, steadfastness. Someone's in a very difficult marriage. Do we pray for them to be steadfast and not give up and not compromise? And listen to their feelings, but listen to the truth. And patience. We ought to be praying for, for all of us to be patient with one another and, and, and joyously. Do we pray that people be filled with joy? And people just, all they do is complain and, and gripe. But how about joy? And folks, this is just a sample of how we ought to be praying for one another. 
So many other ways, spiritual growth, wisdom, usefulness to the Lord. Lord would help them in their burdens and, and needs and struggles. And do you do that? More importantly, will you do that now that you know better? Will you do that? God wants you to, because you know what? He, has, he doesn't just love you. He loves all of his children and commands us to love them as well. And that means one way of showing our love is that we're to pray for all of God's children. So as, as we think about this, need to consider a few things. First of all, we've talked about the fatherhood of God, but are you part of his family? Have you ever indeed really trusted Christ so that you are his child he is your father. That, that is where it begins. Is he your father? Do you have evidence in your life that, that there's a relationship that you have with him, that you want to obey him, that you cry out, Abba, Father? If you've never trusted him, I urge you to do that. I urge you to come to him. Trust him. Also, what changes will you make as a result of your study this morning? Will you be more intimate with God than you've ever been? Will you dare to call him daddy? Will you dare to do that? Will you dare to be that intimate to call him your heavenly papa? Maybe something you've never done, but you you need to because that's who he is. Will you be more reverent with him? More respectful? When you come into his presence, will you pause for a moment and recognizing who you're speaking to, and not be glib and, and flippant. What about more trusting? Will you be more confident than ever that he can handle your most difficult problems? He really can. He is our father who is in the heavens, the exalted one. Will you be more interested in his other children so that you'll pray for them? Will you implement this? Will you pick up some of those prayer letters out there? Will you begin to pray? Will you start going through the directory? Will you start being alert to, to pray for people? God's people. That, that's how this all is applied. It does no good if we hear the word and don't become a doer of the word. Let's bow for prayer. Father, you are our Abba. Our Abba. I thank you for that. I thank you that you are our dearest heavenly Papa. Thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you for sending your son to die in our place so that we would become sons and daughters of yours. Lord, I thank you that no longer are you distant and remote. No longer are you a faded figure who just helped our ancestors, but you are real and you are close, and you have brought us to yourself. And I pray that'll be reflected in the way we pray. Lord, may we be closer to you than ever before, sensing the freedom to pour out our hearts to you. But Lord, may we be reverent too, and understanding that you are awesome, you are sovereign, but you are sovereign Papa. Thank you. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to be more sensitive, to pray for our brothers, our sisters in Christ, to pray for those in the family. Because if not, we, we become consumed with ourselves. Or may we pray with your glory in mind. May we pray every and bring every request to you with the attitude that you be glorified by the answer. And I pray, Lord, for those who may not know Christ that your word would be used to prick their conscience, to convict them of their sin 
and that they would come to you and thus know you as their Abba, their Abba Father. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been teaching at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida for over 25 years. Our website is versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. If you stop by our website, you can hear today's program again, or you can even sign up for our free podcasting service. There is also a link for signing up to receive our complimentary newsletter. If you would like to hear the entire message at one time, you can order either a CD or a cassette with the full message. Just call 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. Verse by Verse Ministry.